What is up, everybody? Welcome to episode 32 of Bet Parks Presents Stick to Hockey Live. There is a lot to discuss on this program today. Anthony DeMarco from the fourthperiod.com is going to join us in a couple minutes. And I will tell you real quick Anthony and I recorded a little earlier today before the Cam Atkinson news broke uh, because I had to go to Wells Fargo Center to tape a broadcaster's roundtable. Found out this morning when I was there that uh, he was going to have the season ending neck surgery. We'll comment on that. We're going to hear from John Tortorella in a minute on Cam Atkinson. We'll talk about Kevin Hayes. We'll talk about uh, the team, all kinds of different aspects in this episode. Let me tell you about Bet Parks, though, because it is a fantastic mobile casino and sports book. It's the best mobile casino and sports book, and it's right here. You got one. We all got one. It travels with us, and that's a a, a tremendous thing because no matter where you are, you can get your action in. Same game parlays, live in-game betting. Props, player performances, teasers, you name it. You name the sport. If it's going on in sport, it's going to be on the Bet Parks app for you to get some action in. So all you got to do is download the Bet Parks app. It's simple, easy to operate. Take it from me. It's everything you wanted in a mobile casino and a sports book. Like I said, easy to sign up, fun to use, faster to win than ever before. And all new and existing users right now can use the promo code Jason750. That'll get you a risk free bet up to $750. J A S O N 750. Terms and conditions to apply. Again, new and existing users. Do yourself a favor. All the hockey action, hoops, college and pro. How about football? What an insane, insane weekend in uh, the NFL. Get your action in with the Bet Parks app. Download it today. You do need to be over 21 and present in Pennsylvania or New Jersey. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Also, a great time to visit Conquerville Subaru. Holiday time. Great time to visit the great dealership. It's a beautiful dealership. Great people. And my son's actually 16 now, so I'm sure he's going to be saying, Dad, let's go to Conquerville. Uh, go down there and check out their great vehicles as well. It, they're fantastic. And right now is a great time because it's the Subaru Share the Love event. Now, this is going on till January 3rd, and this is where Subaru is going to donate $250 for every new car sold to one of five charities, and you get to choose either the ASPCA, Make-A-Wish, Meals on Wheels, Nations Parks, or Conquerville Subaru's hometown charity, Namor's Children's Hospital of Delaware. December, fantastic time to visit that great showroom on Route 202 in Glen Mills. As we head into the holiday season, check out the certified pre-owned inventory and a list of incoming Subaru vehicles. And they're more than a dealership, great service department that we give you a free car wash with every visit. So visit ConquervilleSubaru.com. All the details there. Visit the beautiful showroom on Route 202 in Glen Mills. And remember that Conquerville cares. All right, so Cam Atkinson, it came out officially at uh, noon today uh, the notice from the general manager chuck fletcher says philadelphia flyers forward cam atkinson is going to undergo neck surgery on wednesday december 21st so two days from now he'll be out the remainder of the 22-23 season and is expected to make a full recovery the club will have more information following the surgery naturally this is going to light the fan base on fire totally get it another guy that's going to miss the entirety of a season and you're going are you kidding me how does this keep happening where is our luck i see so many tweets here um from from different flyer fans reacting to this anthony says sj 300 man says the flyers are a complete disaster decades of this crap uh schickster says sad gator it's embarrassing as an organization at least it should be i just can't believe we're here that's what happens when a massive corporation owns you. I hope you. I uh, hope they sell and someone gives a, a, a shit about the franchise. Torts being hired is the only positive. 
He also said that I get, because I tweeted out earlier, and this is in response, so let me give you the tweet. Um, a guy, Evan Atkins, tweeted me and said, they told us he was ready to go for the opener, LOL. This is an organization that just doesn't care about optics anymore, embarrassing to themselves, the media, and the fans. And I quote tweeted it and said, I believe Atkins injury, Atkinson's injury returned at one point not long ago. Uh, I believe he was imminent to play. He obviously had a very severe setback as things with the neck and back can change very quickly. And Gator responded and said, I get that, but the way these guys have been handled medically is a joke. Ellis's exit interview says he's ready to go. Coots ready to go. Atkinson ready to go. Yet after an entire offseason, none of them were, and not only that, none of them were going to play at all. Now, when you're dealing with the back, I'm not sure. I don't know a lot about the Sowas muscle or whatever uh, Ellis is dealing with. But with the back, things can obviously change real quick. It looked like Cam Atkinson was going to play imminent. When we saw him at practice that day going hard at Rasmus versus the Lion, he was cleared for contact. He was trending in the direction of just getting his game dialed in to get back on the ice. So, obviously, something changed. And the neck now needs surgery. Players, obviously, are going to try and avoid going in and getting surgery, especially on a neck or a back, and you try all kinds of different things. Uh, BCB JR says, uh, Jason, what the hell is Ian McEwen doing? He was the guy that was hired uh, in the offseason, brought in this summer, and not a single reported change. The team can call it bad luck all they want, but this year is now the years now of serious injuries, followed by setbacks, followed by questions if players may lose their careers in some cases. Well, look, w- when you're dealing with the back and you're dealing, I don't know what any medical guy can do. Now, as far as clearing guys coming back too soon and all that, certainly a question, something that has to be looked at in all sports when guys come back can they damage themselves further sometimes medically it says that hey this is as good as it's going to get and you see where it goes but and chris tweeted and said farabee was neck but he had surgery shortly after the injury and he's obviously back right now but it's it is insane the amount of injuries i mean you look at some of the acquisitions or the trades that have happened look at look, look, the atkinson atkinson for voracek Crazy thing is that Voracek's out now, too. He's maybe done for the year. And Atkinson, obviously, is done for the year. You look back at the Ryan Ellis acquisition. You know, Nolan Patrick in that trade. I don't know that he's ever going to play again because of his issues. Not playing this entire season. So, I don't... I mean, it is beyond frustrating. Cam Atkinson, obviously, would help this team. On the ice, I believe it would help them even more off the ice. And, you know, you just see players. It's like, how many hits can we take? How many hits can we take and keep getting back up here? And it's just bananas. It's just crazy. It's not only the players that that are out for the entire year. It's who they are and what they bring. The Flyers have the second most man games lost. In the NHL, the only team that's got more is Toronto. Flyers are second, Washington, Colorado, and the Columbus Blue Jackets. And sometimes you got to look at who are the players that are out. I look at Toronto and I go, wow, Toronto's at the top of that list. But Marner's played all 32. Matthews has played all 32. Nylander all 32. Tavares all 32. Riley's missed some games. Obviously, Jake Muzzin. They have some key injuries. 
But when you have Marner, Matthews, Nylander, and Tavares playing all 32, that mitigates it a little bit and the damage that it does. Columbus has been absolutely crushed with injuries. Boone Jenner now out for the season. It's this, you know, you can't use injuries as an excuse, but this is crazy to be losing all these players. And look, when you're dealing with a neck surgery, when you're dealing with a back surgery for Couturier, sometimes these things are career threatening. There's no question about it. You deal with the back, anything could be career threatening. So at this point, let's listen to John Twitter. I'm just going to play his media availability uh, on the stuff in the beginning about Cam Atkinson. We don't need to go through the whole thing. But I thought it better to hear from him. He'll give you a little bit more insight on this whole thing and how it played out. Uh, so here's John Tortorella initially responding to a question about losing Cam Atkinson for the season. So let me just hit play here on Torts. And he wants to be part of it. You know, he wants to try to help. Uh, he sees what we've been going through a little bit here and uh, have to consider him probably one of the top players from last year's team. Uh, he wanted to be part of it. He's tried everything to try to get back in and, uh, he's made the decision along with the doctors that this is the best route to go. So hopefully we, uh, wish him good luck on that. And, and he's healthy and ready to go next year. I don't know if you get any specifics, but Joel Farabee said it's similar to the problem he had with his neck. Yeah, I, I, I don't, I, I don't want to speak out of turn, Sam. I, I just don't know. Cam and I've had many conversations, not so much about what the exact would you call it so i i really can't speak on it uh, i'd be i'd be i just can't i'm not an expert by any means hey, you said you're not an expert but is there fear and this might not be your area but is there fear that this could be career threatening or you think not, not the conversation i've had with cam i haven't talked to any doctors i've cam and i've talked quite a bit on this i mean i've I coached him for six years and uh, i was kind of a sounding board for him as we were going through this i i don't i don't the way Cam's ready to get this done, and he, he wants to get back on track to get uh, to the – there's no question in his mind this is the best thing for him and uh, doesn't fear it at all. Yeah, he, 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 you kind of get – and again, I, I don't know – I'll explain a little bit how Cam felt with me is where he felt like he's coming, he was, he's ready to go, even looking at a date. And then he just has a bad day. It just, it would not get over the hump for him. And, uh, and, and I can understand him trying to do everything he possibly could without getting opened up, especially in that area. You know, it, it, it's easy to say he should have got it done and this and that. And it, it, it's easy for outsiders to say that Cam wanted to, he wanted to play. He's a great competitor. Tried all different things with Tommy, the whole group down there. And he just couldn't sustain it to, to where to get over the hump he went he felt really good and then it, it just dropped off so this is what's been discussed with the professionals and they feel this is the best route cam has uh, obliged them and is going to get it done when you say that he had a bad day did he have a setback or just wasn't continuing to progress well i mean we're arguing it's, it's semantics right now for me it just it, it just he just didn't get where he needed to be to play changing gears for a minute mm -hmm. You obviously you know, didn't go into too much detail about your decision to, to scratch Kevin Hayes. It looks like he's going to be back in the lineup tomorrow. Is that the case? Yeah, Kevin will play. I'm not sure exactly what the lines will be, but he'll go back in tomorrow. Yeah. What are you, what are you looking for 
him. Yeah, I'm not going to get into discussion. That's where you guys want me to go. And as I said, and I'm not trying to be coy. Uh, stuff happens. I have to make decisions on people. Uh, and as I told, I think Charlie, when Charlie asked, these are uh, uh, standards of health for everybody in this organization, no matter what draft pick, no matter what stature, no matter what you have, no matter what you thought about out in the area here, I have to hold a standard for everybody. And that's how it's going to be. Um, I think that's the proper way to build this hockey club. We're going to stick by it. Kind of as a follow up to that, we talked to Kevin a few minutes ago down in the locker room. He basically said that he didn't think he should be scratched, but you're the coach, you make the decisions. Is it is it hard when you know? Like, do you feel like Kevin understands why he's being scratched, and is it tough when there's, I guess, a disconnect, or does there appears to be a disconnect? There, there is no disconnect as far as I'm concerned. Kevin, I have had many conversations with Kevin. Uh, had conversations prior to this, and. Um, yeah, so again, I don't want to get in, I don't want to get into a, a public debate with Kevin, uh, with you guys, as far as why. Uh, it's one of the things I pride myself on is being honest with a player, and uh, I, I I think they deserve the honesty, whether it be good or bad. That is my job is to be honest with them. So, however Kevin feels about it, I I don't understand his thinking there, but. Uh, Again, I don't know how we answered your question, how the question was played. Uh, I, uh, I will never lie to a player uh, about anything. And when it comes to a, a scratch, uh, uh, it isn't, I'm sure you guys think it's because of a turnover, uh, the turnover in the middle of the ice. It, I'm never scratching a player for one mistake. And, and this is where Kevin, is, Kevin and I have had those conversations much prior to him missing a game. So I'll leave it at that. That's as much, you know, let's leave it at that. That's fair. Lee Ellison, happy with the product. All right, there he is. Uh, head coach John Tortorella uh, addressing the media earlier today uh, at the uh, Flyer Skate Zone. Let me hit pause on this because I'm still hearing the audio. There we go. Um, so, you know, Cam Atkinson obviously had some setbacks. Thought he was getting close. And he tried to avoid surgery. And here we are. It's bananas. As far as what he said about Kevin Hayes, uh, I actually asked him about that the other day, about the turnover in the New Jersey game towards when we met with him prior to a game on Saturday night. And basically he said the same thing. I, I reiterated this on Flyers Daily in today's episode, that it wasn't about just that turnover against New Jersey or the penalty in the first period, which Jack Hughes ended up scoring on. It's more than that. It's, you know, doing the right things consistently as a leader on the team. And that is something that is a non-negotiable for torts. Not not only a non-negotiable for the team, but for, in particular for a player like Kevin Hayes, who's a leader and a veteran on the team. I don't think the decision to scratch him came lightly because he is the leading scorer. And torts, I think, caught a lot of shit publicly from, and obviously Keith Yandel chimed in. You know, scratching your leading scorer. Yan said that maybe Torch should be scratched. But look, accountability is either for everybody or it's for nobody. And accountability can never take a day off. It has to happen every day. So with it being Kevin Hayes, is it a huge shot over the bow? Damn right it is. But where it goes from here 
is what I wonder. Where how does this thing move forward? How do those two move forward? Look, players have been in this situation before and they've had to move forward. And some players could, some players couldn't in the relationship. So we'll see where it goes. I know I was listening to 32 Thoughts, which just came out today. And Elliot Friedman, Fridge was talking about Hayes as a buyout option for the Flyers. And if you look at this on cap friendly at the structure of his contract, something Fridge cited, you know, there's a lot of bonus money in there that's already been paid. So in year one here, he made he brought home total salary nine million, then seven point five, then nine million last year, seven point five this year. Then next year, actual money six point five, five point two, five point two. But that bonus, which is going to be paid this summer. If the Flyers played that, it would be 3.75 off of that 7.5 for, uh, oh, that's for the, no, that's for, yeah, that's for this year, actually. So the only bonus money that's left is 1.25 in, in the two final years of the deal. So the actual money's not as high. And if they bought him out, he'd be a buyout candidate. I don't know if I can click this on here and see the buyout, what it would be, but I, I think they do have that somewhere, but, and I'll see if I can dig that up, but. Obviously, there's a ton of drama going on right now surrounding the Flyers. And none of it positive. I mean, some of it needs to happen. I think so. But we'll see where this all goes. It is, uh, this is a pivot point here for sure. Uh, JBPHI. I guess his name is JB. Let me know what your real name is, bro. Um, I don't want to call you JBPHI. He says, Fletcher's strategic style always seems to leave the door open to totally change course. Is that happening now? It seems like they're setting their sights at the draft. Well, I think they're setting their sights on finding out what young players are and finding out who's who and what's what so that they can come up with this strategic plan of who's here for the, the long term and what are they going to need for the players that are here that are not going to be here for the long term. We don't know all the needs just yet because we don't know who's who and who is part of this moving forward. He also says it'll be tough, but what if they actually do get lottery luck and draft Bedard? He and Gauthier would fundamentally change the course of the franchise, and immediately they're both in the NHL next year. Yeah, I mean, obviously, uh, Gauthier's having a great season at Boston College. Um, and then if you added a player, I mean, like Bedard, obviously, that changes everything. But you can't bank on that. And they got to find out some answers. Morgan Frost has shown some improvement of late. Can that continue to improve and come in with some consistency? Can, you know, Owen Tippett, I think we know what Tip is as a player. But can he be that player more often than not with a little more consistency? There's a lot of questions. Absolutely. You know, what is Tony D'Angelo for this team? Is he just here this year and next? Or what is Ristolainen? Or what is Ivan Provorov? Travis, everybody's got a question mark, in my opinion, except for the goaltender. So there's a lot. There's still so much to unpack with this team. I thought it was interesting, too, the decision on Hayes when Sedlak, or when, uh, excuse me, Zach McEwen turns up he can't play on Saturday night. So Torts goes 11 forwards and 7-D. So he brings Justin Braun, who was going to be a healthy scratch, back in the lineup. And he played about four and a half minutes. Still kept Hayes out. Boy, that's that's message sending at its finest right there. 
Uh, all right, let's get to, again, I talked to Anthony DeMarco this morning. I had to run to Wells Fargo Center to tape a broadcaster's roundtable today. So we put this in the can earlier. So uh, we'll discuss the Hayes situation and much, much more uh, from the fourthperiod.com. Here is my conversation with A. DeMarco. .com. It is Anthony. I like to say it like Harry Callis, Anthony DeMarco. <laughs> What's going on, my man? You have a good, do you know who Harry Callis is, by the way? I do not. I think I'm too old. Or too young, rather. <laughs> <laughs> he was the announcer um, for the Phillies for decades. Really? Legendary play-by-play man uh, for the Phillies. And he, he just had that huge, he actually did some NFL films, too, after John Facenda died. On the frozen tundra of Lambeau Field. You know that guy? Yeah, and, for um, sure. But Harry, just he could say certain names great. Like There was a, an infielder for the Phillies named Kim Batiste. But he didn't call him Kim Batiste. He called him Kim Batiste. Like he added an extra syllable. Or there was another guy. Mickey Morandini. <laughs> yeah, he was great. <laughs> and he was the one that said, Chase Utley, you are the man. <laughs> um, but anyway, uh, but I digress. We're not talking about the Phillies today. We're talking about the Flyers. And and there's like all these storylines of what's going on right now. Obviously, we go game by game. We talk storylines about players, play, coaching decisions, scratch, lineups, combinations. But then you also have the Hayes drama now. It's like, like this is like, dun, 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 it's the Hayes drama. Cam Atkinson on IR. Wade Allison still not back. JVR, according to Freed, is on the market, ready to be shopped. You got all these. Keith Yandel, of all people, and the balls on him chiming in. So, I mean, what is going on? Let's start with Hayes. Help yeah. scratched on, on Saturday night. And towards the chance to bring him back in because Zach McEwen couldn't go. He runs 11-7 and seven, and... Justin Braun, who came back in as the guy that was going to be scratched on D, played a whopping four minutes against the Rangers. Yeah, I mean, look, obviously Kevin Hayes has been caught in Torts' dog or crosshairs several times this season, uh, but it's the first time he's healthy scratched, and he had that bad turnover in the game against the New Jersey Devils, and obviously that was something that Torts did not like. He, I don't think he had a shift in the third period there of I that will tell game. You, Ant, that that was not. Um, really, the that's not that that's an element of it in talking to Torts, but it's more big picture. Well, you know, since his first media availability when he first 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 got hired, he has really stressed that he thinks this that there's more to give with Kevin Hayes. I, I do think there's an element of this of trying to make the players something he's not. I don't fully agree with how Torts has handled Kevin Hayes especially given the fact that he's played above his head on the top line, top power play, a role that Kevin Hayes should never be doing. And, you know, has produced, what is it, 29 points in 31 games. So there is an element to this that I'm just like, you're only going to get so much out of a veteran player who is what he is. But on the other hand, there are times where Kevin Hayes makes really bad plays, like just poor decision plays at the far blue line. We saw that, what, twice in overtime. We saw that with the New Jersey Devils. And there are times when he's on the ice where he doesn't look like he gives a shit. I don't think that's actually what it is, but sometimes his body language would maybe suggest that. And like it or not, he's probably your best, one of your two best forwards on this team, along with Travis Konechny. 
And that's just the fact of the matter. And the thing is, is like Travis Konechny is not perfect defensively. Travis Konechny has made a lot of bad defensive plays this year. I would argue at times has looked egregiously bad, the worst forward on the team defensively. Well, he, he had that awful giveaway as the high point, man. Yeah. With the other way, a breakaway goal, right? Yeah. That's an important spot. They both have a lot of risk in their game, no doubt. A hundred percent. But I think the difference is, is that Travis Konechny always looks like he's leaving everything out there. Like tra- like Kevin like Kevin Hayes and Travis Konechny rank five and six respectively in the highest expected goals against per sixty among the four- Flyers forwards this year, and that's it. Counting guys like Aldi Luxell, Jackson Cates, Wade Allison, who haven't played the full amount of games, the full thirty one games this season, but. Travis Konechny always looks like he's hustling. He always looks, yeah, like when he shot it into Nick Ritchie's uh, shin pads and Ritchie had a breakaway from the far blue line and ultimately scored on Carter Hart, Travis Konechny was absolutely like got on his horse and hustling back. Kevin Hayes, I think sometimes body language, which is weird because when I spoke to someone with the Flyers earlier this year, he mentioned a lot of body language has to change. And I think with Hayes at times, that's maybe something that's a detriment to him. Yeah, I, I think it's a great point, Ant, because I think body language does matter. I am a body language guy. Yeah, and it clearly it matters to Couture because he talks about body language with his goaltender all the time. Just that confidence in the way you present yourself. And like I, I feel like when Carter is really on it, like he has been for most of the season, you know, when, when there's a TV timeout, he goes to the bench and he looks like he's a giant, right? Yeah. Because the body language and, you know, sulking and sh- rolled shoulders at certain points. Like, George doesn't want to see that. And I think you're right. I think those things do matter. So I think it affected Cam Atkinson. He's a guy that seems very aloof because he's just so smooth, right? And the way he is just mentally, like his persona is very chill. It's not like I'm going to rip your heart out of your chest type stuff, like Lavi would say, right? Yeah. It's more silent assassin. And we know Torch doesn't do anything silent. And I think I've talked about it. I think that's something that makes some players harder to judge because they're so calm and so like fluid in the way they move. You mistake that for a lack of effort. I just think that that's the optics of it sometimes. Yeah, and I think Kevin Hayes is a guy that like it or not, and I said it on Twitter, I believe it was two days ago, where I don't think that there's any point where your guy on a team should be Kevin Hayes. But like it or not, he is the guy. situation. Yeah, That's just the situation they find themselves in. Okay, so if if he's the guy, should he have been scratched? Because, like, accountability, right? And, And Torts, you know, mentioned it's it's big picture here when charlie really pressed him he didn't want to talk about anything with it and then i thought charlie o'connor came back and said you know with this decision he's your number one and he finally got him to say but torts has got to look at this thing as a big picture and the standard of being a player on this team on and off the ice and you got to do those things that you can control so accountability when you're talking about your a team that's bereft of scoring you got a guy that's your 29 points in 31 games and he's out of the lineup against the team he used to play for <laughs> in the New York Rangers. You know, that's a game he was up for. Is he, it, 
does accountability should it go that far? Well, like, look, like, I don't like, I think that given the nature of the flyer season and given the circumstance where we know that winning games, I don't want to say it's secondary, but it's certainly not paramount above all else. We know that this team isn't a playoff team. We know that Tortorella specifically isn't looking to win games at all costs. Let's say like AV was back in the day or Lavi, because that's why they were here to win hockey games. And I, I don't think that the management here is saying like, oh yeah, like who cares? Like I do think that maybe earlier in the season, management did truly think, and look, this isn't anything profound. Chuck Fletcher said as much that, what, oh, we're five points back of a wild card spot. Yeah, he didn't believe that, though. <laughs> exactly. But, like, maybe that they, when they saw them open, whatever they were, like, five, two, and one, or however mm-hmm. they open, they're like, yeah, they were just like, oh, maybe they have something here. But we know that Torts, and he said as much, isn't really putting everything in the basket of winning hockey games here and now. And I look at Kevin Hayes, I don't think that there's any situation on a team where you should be having Kevin Hayes lead your forwards in average ice time at even strength per game. And that's what we've seen in Kevin Hayes. We've seen him play, you know, 19 minutes a game uh, total on average. He's a guy that's playing, in my mind, way above his head. But at the same time, Scott Lawton's playing way above his head. Travis Konechny's playing way above his head. And I mean, for the most part, Lawton specifically, he's pretty much kind of like emerged as the de facto captain in a lot of ways. I think that those guys have done what we've expected them to do effort wise. Obviously they're going to make mistakes. Travis Konechny is always going to have his gas defensively. Lawton is always going to be limited offensively, specifically when he's playing center, which he has a a lot since Kevin Hayes moved to the wing. But with Hayes, I would argue that, when they're all at their best, Kevin Hayes is probably the best all-around player out of all those three guys. And those three guys are probably your three, quote-unquote, leaders up front this year. And Hayes... Yeah, unfor- I would say that Konechny's the at their best, Konechny's their, their best player. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. What am I talking about? But, yeah, so, like, Kevin Hayes, let's say, has a good overall game where I think he's proven that he can be a good two-way forward. Not mm-hmm. so much this year. He's barely gotten any time uh, on the penalty kill. And this year, he's been more all offense, which, hey, whatever. Good for you. You're scoring almost a point per game. But we've seen that offense tail off the last five games. Mm-hmm. So when the offense drives up specifically, then there's going to be less of an appetite to deal with those defensive mishaps, like, let's say, Travis Konechny, and especially when the body language isn't where it needs to be. Like I said, I think at times Torts has gone a bit too far with Kevin Hayes and trying to make him something he's not. Like sometimes the player just isn't that good, and that's just I think the fact. Torts realizes that too. Like there's things about him, he which is why I think he moved him out of the center position. He goes, I, "There's some things I'm just not going to be able to 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 change." You know, when when he first got Vinny Lecavier, he died on the hill, but Lecavier was 22. Yeah, this is Kevin Hayes 30. There's a yeah. lot more years of being what you are, being what he is, I should say. You know, Konechny plays 26 minutes the other night, 26-11, most of his career. The three highest minutes played games of his career have been this season for Konechny. He saw more time than any flyer defenseman in the game. Now, seven fifteen of that was on the power play, but still, that's a lot of ice. 
And we've seen that very consistently with torts. Like if you're going to leave it all out there, you're going to get the ice time. We've seen that with Morgan Frost recently. We've seen it with Cam York recently. I think we've seen that with maybe to a lesser extent, Ristolainen recently, who's been leaned on heavily in an all-defense top-pairing role, way above his head. But everyone is kind of playing way above their head, aren't they? We saw that with Tony D'Angelo, which kind of ran him into the ground. And obviously, you know, his grandmother passing, which obviously has an effect on you. But even D'Angelo coming back on Saturday, I thought he was off defensively. I thought he was pretty brutal. You know, yeah, like... what said that, too. <laughs> Like, I think he had, like, over six expected goals for uh, goals against per 60. Like, it was bad. His puck management was not good. Yeah, and, like, look, you want to give him a bit of of the benefit of the doubt because they were riding him into the ground early in the year. You don't know what a death in the family could affect on some people. Like, you know, my grandmother died last year, and I was an emotional wreck. So, like, you want to give him the benefit of the doubt for that. But we are going to see a lot of guys get that more ice time on a team that's bereft of talent because you're going to try and capitalize on it. We've seen it with Morgan Frost, Konechny, and York. So, I mean, you kind of want to set that example at the very top and like it or not, fair or not, Kevin Hayes is right at the top in terms of the forwards on this team. Yeah, yeah, you're totally right. It was We had a bit of a shift in our broadcast on Saturday because Tim Saunders is out with COVID and Brian Smith did play-by-play, so... I wasn't up on the concourse where we usually do our intermissions. I was back down in uh, what's called NBA one. It's the auxiliary NBA locker room, which is when the players line up to go out on the ice to the bench, the, the door to that room is right there. So they walk players in for the walk-offs right there. That's right. So I do the interviews and I got done the intermission and I'm, I get up and I'm getting ready to uh, head back out to watch the game. And Tony walks in the, in the room. Hey, what's going on? You know, he's just always so talkative. You know what I mean? Like he's just always looking for somebody's ear to bend. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Which is yeah. cool he, that he's like that. And he just walked in and I said, I said, I said, how you feeling? He's like, I, I'm feeling really, I feel way better. Like physically, this is in between periods. And I just said, you know, sorry for the loss of your grandmother. And he's like, oh, thanks, man. I appreciate it. And you know, <laughs> but, but he's got some rust to knock off. No doubt about it. Um, One thing too, a lot of this obviously depends on, this draft and what you come away with. If you come away with six and a player that's going to need two years of development in the OHL or whatever, that's a big difference. But you do, I I think the one thing that we're forgetting, if you do end up with a big player in this draft, then you have a big player in this draft and you also have Cutter Gauthier, who has been, uh, sometimes players that when they go play collegiately kind of fade away, but he has been a monster. He's been an absolute monster down there. And some suggest go back another year like Owen Power did. Or, you know, there's other guys that went back for another year in college. And those guys went back to Michigan to try and win a national championship. But I'm not sure what's, you know, what's going to be the deal for Cutter. I have a feeling he's going to be a one and done in college. Um, JVR, Fridge mentioned it's open season on JVR. Uh, This is a player, Ant, that he missed some time. I thought it in the, in the grand scheme of things, as a trade chip, him missing time, if he came back and played well, would be a good thing because there's less wear and tear of 82 on him. And it, maybe it makes sense to trade him early before the deadline. I, I've always been leery of deadline deals for teams trying to push because the player comes in so late. March 3rd is the deadline this year. You try and get this player assimilated on your team in five weeks before the playoffs. He's got to get there. He's got to get set up with his living arrangements, housing, family, all that stuff. 
and then assimilate with a hockey team where you don't have a lot of practice time to really kind of get into the flow of a team. If you do that in early January or even February, it's more time to get settled and totally in sync with your new team for a playoff push. So maybe it makes more sense to do this early. And I think he's a piece because the Flyers can eat half of it. And his real money owed is even less than a $7 million cap hit. To me, this is a player I think could help a lot of teams. Even if he's not on PP1, he's PP2, he's going to help you there. He's a total pro. Like, he's going to fit in any locker room and be a great influence on players. So, what are you hearing on JBR? Well, I think it's, Fried said it all, I think he's a guy that's going to be very coveted when, as we get closer and closer to the to the trade deadline. And to your point, you know, he's on an expiring contract, with the, which is something that's very stomachable for a lot of teams. And he's only being paid $4 million in real cash this year. So when you prorate that salary for, if you're a team non-LTIR, right? Because that's the big problem right now is that so many teams are operating in, operating in LTIR. I think it's almost half the league. But if let's say you're a team looking for a depth score, like to me, like I, I could see a team like the Calgary Flames using a guy like JVR. Obviously their offense Minnesota. is taking a hit. Minnesota for sure. Minnesota, it's because of like, they're very up against the cap. But again, because of all that dead cap space. But I think that there's a lot of teams here that are looking for that depth scoring that could use a guy like JVR that I think has proven over the last several years that if you want to play him on a third line and more of a defensive role, he could play that. I think he's a very underrated defensive player. You want to play him more on a top six scoring role with some better matchups. I think he could give you that slam dunk for 20 to 25 goals and that's kind of being generous i think he plays it the right way fundamentally like i think with and i'm guilty of this too i'll I'll preface that by saying but i think that ever since he came back to philadelphia because of the cap hit and because he was kind of showing up to replace a Braden shen we expected too much of him and i do think that maybe the signing wasn't exactly what the flyers needed back in 2018 but as him as a player in a vacuum, he's a guy that has a lot of value. And I think he's a guy that a lot of teams would really want to add ahead of a playoff run in a depth role, especially if you're only getting him at $3.5 million prorated until the end of the year. And from a business standpoint, you're, not, you're only paying $4 million of prorated money in salary. So, I mean... I would not be surprised at all. And I don't think anyone's surprised that he's a guy that's generating interest on the trade front. I mean, his, his last year in Toronto before heading to free agency, he scored 36 goals. He had 54 points, 11 on the power play, uh, five game winning goals. And, and he did that in under 15 minutes of ice time. It five, you know, he didn't play a lot of five on five in Toronto. He was a guy that was a, a guy that, was you could look at it as more like a specialist, right? Yeah, and and, was, and you had a great year. Yeah, and another team that I think would be an interesting fit, and obviously, again, like they're operating in LTIR specifically with uh, Gabriel Landeskog, uh, their captain, seven million dollars. But I think a, a team like the Colorado Avalanche could yeah. use some depth scoring in a guy like JVR. You know, you lose an Andre Burakovsky last year in free agency. Mm-hmm. You lose an Azam Kadri. Obviously, a center, I think, would be more up their alley, like a Jonathan Taze or a Bo, Bo Horvat, maybe on a lower scale of Sean Monaghan. Mm-hmm. But if they're a team that's really up against it, 
and you need a depth score to at least take some of the offense that you lost with a guy like Burakovsky, that's a team I could see. But again, they're operating in LTIR. And every time you have a team operating in LTIR, even if it's like a $3.5 million cap hit, which is what Javier would be, assuming the Flyers would eat half of his salary, you have to be a bit, I guess, uh, hesitant that a deal could go through. Yeah. I mean, if you eat that, you may be able to get something decent in return. You're not oh, getting I a first round so. pick. Let's get that out of our head. But maybe you can get a prospect that maybe you can take a look at and, and see what you got. Because this is, Phil Torch said this the other night in our meeting. He goes, You want the land of opportunity. This is the land of opportunity. Big time. Big like when time. Sedlak left, he said, You know, he came back after a couple of years, three years in the KHL, where he was an offensive player and scored a lot, played a ton in the K. And wanted to come back to the NHL to see if he could be a top six guy with that confidence of being a guy that could put the puck in the net. And, you know, he just he realized he wasn't that. That was part of the decision. And Torch said, if you want to be a top six guy, this is the place to find out if you are <laughs> right now. And- well, it's kind of like that with a lot of the like, let's say Morgan Frost. Like Morgan Frost is getting all the opportunities that let's say he didn't get get in years past. Yeah, and I think Morgan Frost has shown that this guy has all the skill in the world when he puts it together, and I think he's worked really well with a guy like JVR. Yeah, the only question and and Tippett for sure. Tippett's another guy who kind of falls into that mix. Although I think Tippett's more like we know what he is. He's probably going to be a streaky. Needs to be it more. Yeah, he needs to be it more, but he's yep. going to like what he's going to be as a tier player, not like stylistically, but in a tier is, in my opinion, probably going to be like a Joffrey Lupul, mm-hmm. like an inconsistent 20 to 25 goal guy that you could probably find a home on That's your second job. line. Yeah. But, like, again, I think that stylistically, they're not completely the same, but just like in terms of what they'll mean to a team, yeah. like tip it 20, 25 goal score, probably on your second high end third line, maybe. Yeah, power play trigger. Exactly. Frost, I think we know what his ceiling is. I don't think he'll ever be like a superstar, like over point per game type of guy. But I think that there's easily a 50 to 60 point player in there that could really help you on the power play. I think think he's starting to turn some heads a little bit with just his overall play is, you know, he just needs to keep playing and he's getting the opportunity. And look, there's still a lot of disappointment and with him because he hasn't done enough and it's been enough. for lack of a better term, enough time to show enough. Um, I think we do have to consider the the shoulder injury that he had, you know. Coming up in COVID. Yeah. Um, So, you know, is he, to me, he's a player that right now, I'm not ready to say solidly that he is, but he may be trending very well in the right direction. He is trending really well in the right direction, primarily because his underlying process is good. He's not a liability like he used to be. You could throw him out for a regular shift, and if you need him to play low event hockey, he could play low event hockey. Yeah, you don't have to worry about sending Morgan Frost out there and being like, "Oh my God, is he gonna screw you over sooner?" Like eventually, I think with Morgan Frost, it's all about consistency. In that you want to see that player that he showed in, let's say Arizona, every single game, where you know he scores four points. Torts has him out there three on three. You have him out there helping to get the tying goal that where he sets up Travis Konechny. But then let's say in the three last games, he gets the goal against New York, but it's one point in three games. And yeah. again, this not this isn't me to say like, oh, okay, like he's 
uh, he's playing bad. He's playing this. He's a liability. No, like you could play good hockey, but not, you know, produce points. Yeah. Like kind of like what we've seen with Travis Sanheim at times or what have you. But Frost is a guy, given his pedigree, given what they need him to be, given the line he's playing on, like that's the best offensive line that they've put together the last few games. He is a guy that needs to score. Yeah. He is a guy that like you can't just play good low event hockey and be like, okay, well, you did your job. Like let's no, say Lucas. Gotta end up on the score sheet. Yeah. And look, he's a guy that I think that to your point dealt with a lot like I had someone with the Flyers tell me that like you have to think that if he had come up during a different time his development would have been different yeah you have to think that you know the injuries and COVID and all that had a mega effect on him and again and I use this with guys like let's say Rasmus Ristolainen or what have you that the endless revolving door of coaches has an effect it does I think that it's really really brutal when especially last year when you know you go from AV to Mike Yo, and then the assistant coaching kind of chairs shuffled three times. Yeah. Like, how many guys coached the defense? You went from Mike uh, Mike Yo to Daryl Williams, I think, and then you ended up with Nick Schultz. Or yeah. no, Nick Schultz went upstairs. Don, John Torchetti came. Like, it was a mess. Yeah, it was a disaster. But now I think with Morgan Frost, we're seeing a coach really. And what I like about Torts, I've liked this a lot about him is that with players like Morgan Frost, a guy trying to figure out who he is, or even Erasmus Ristolainen, he's really broken them down to the basics and built them back up. Yeah. And if that needed them to be healthy scratch for a game and work their way up back from the third pairing Ristolainen's case or the fourth line in, in Frost's case, that is what he's done. He's completely reinventing the way these guys play hockey. And I think we've seen that with Ristolainen going from a high event defenseman to a low event defenseman. And Morgan Frost, now you've worked on his fundamentals. He's a solid 200-foot player, but now you're trying to get that offensive consistency in his game. Same thing with Ristolainen. They've basically taken all of his offense away. He doesn't have a point. But they've built him up you know, defensively to be much more responsible, not chase plays, play inside the dots. Brad Shaw's the guy handling him. And we'll see if then, you know, now that he's got a foundation of better defensive play and better decision-making, if he can add that extra element of his offensive skill in there. I mean, he's a guy that scored over 40 points three years in a row in Buffalo. Granted, he was on the power play there. He's pushing the face. He was a first-pairing guy. He's a first-pairing guy here right now. You know, yeah. not ideal, but that's nope. that's the situation. So he's been, he's been better for sure, but um, it has come at a cost from his offensive, you know, abilities. And they're a team that needs scoring from the blue line too, because it's obvious they have a hard time scoring. <laughs> well, like he's gotten the lowest offensive zone start percentage of yeah. any defense. He's at yeah. 39% in that regard. Wow. Since he's been scratched, which that was November 5th that he was scratched. So in the last 21 games, which is where I'm really evaluating this guy. And a lot of people say like, well, why are you evaluating him since he got scratched? I said, well, because we know he was a fucking disaster before then. Yeah. So there's no need to evaluate his play. There's a he's reason he was Pre-sample scratched. size and after sample size. Exactly. And I looked that. Goals against per 60 at five on five. And I'm not going to use Cam York here because he's only played five games in that stretch. He has the lowest goals against per 60 out of any Flyers defenseman. Expected goals against per 60. He's tied with Nick Sealer at 2.33. 
his shots against per 60 is also the lowest at 25.62. Now, look, offensively, I think he still is a net positive player over that time. But like you said, there are certain things in his game that you would want improved. And I think offensively on that side of the puck would be one of them. But given what they've how they've used him and like you said, stripped away all his offensive you know, parts of his game, really tried to simplify his game, got no power play time, barely starting any shifts in the offensive zone. Now he's eating big time matchups alongside Ivan Provorov. And I think Provorov's game defensively has really trended in the right direction since playing with Erasmus Ristolainen. Although, obviously, Provorov is dragging him up more than vice versa. I mean, yes, you want more offense, but on a team that I believe is second worst in the in the NHL in terms of goals for per game, mm-hmm. I'm not really going to sit here and complain that a guy who's playing good defensive hockey isn't generating points. Yeah, good point. And great stuff as always, man. Enjoy the holiday. All right. Uh, we'll talk next week and hope uh, Santa brings you good stuff and maybe uh, some good lottery luck. Uh, we can kind of like get a delayed gift. <laughs> <laughs> we could only hope, right? Yes. Anyway, uh, read, read and stuff on the fourth period.com and uh, follow him on Twitter at a DeMarco 25. Be well, my friend. Thanks, man. Happy holidays. There he is. Anthony DeMarco on bet parks presents stick to hockey live. Let me tell you about the bet parks app. It's fantastic. It's the, Greatest mobile casino in sportsbook, right in the palm of your hand. It sort of travels with you. It's right here. It's this little thing. It's called a phone. Everything you need on there is right on the uh, Bet Parks Casino and Sportsbook app. And it's everything you want in a mobile casino and sportsbook app. And it's easy to use, easy to navigate, faster to win than ever before. You got to download it. This is a great time of year. You got so much great football going on, bowls, great hockey action, college hoops, pro hoops. You name it, you missed out on the World Cup, what a, what a final that was. But anything going on in the world of sport and more, you can get your action in on. Live in-game betting, oh, it's fantastic. It, same game parlays, you name it. All kinds of boosts and specials and props, player performances. It's all there on the Bet Parks app. So download the Bet Parks app today. If you need to be over 21 in present Pennsylvania or New Jersey, gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER. All right, that's going to wrap up episode 32. We'll be back Wednesday with Alexander Appleyard. We're going to check in on some European prospects, check on uh, his thoughts on this flyer season. I've been following him on Twitter for a while, and I always love the information that he puts out. And uh, we'll talk to him on Wednesday, Julie Robenheimer at World Juniors on Friday. So busy week of hockey talk here on Bet Parks Presents Stick to Hockey Live. So everybody have a great day. Enjoy your hockey tonight. And uh, tomorrow night as the Flyers get back against the Columbus Blue Jackets and Johnny Gaudreau. And we'll talk to you Wednesday on Bet Parks Presents Stick to Hockey Live.